Welcome back to the Minor League Podcast. I'm your host, Savannah Robinson, joined with my co-host, Blue Robinson. Oh my gosh, Savannah, we are back in the saddle. It's been forever. It's been a minute, huh? It has. Why? What's been going on with you? You, you, you too busy to sit down with your dad and record a podcast <laughs> or what? So many things. New, junior year of high school, so many classes, so many life jobs. challenges, jobs, everything. Absolutely. I won't hold it against you, but you know what, though? The listeners have been deprived. I'm telling you, I get quite a bit of <laughs> feedback that's like, when's the next minor league episode dropping? And, and here it is. It right? is. It's right here. <laughs> awesome. Well, you, you came in today and you had a, some thoughts on a, a few topics and you chose one that I'm, I was kind of like, wow, what made you decide on this and what is the topic today? Um, I chose to talk about memory and just like where our memory resides and kind of like traumatic memories, good memories, all of that. We've been talking about memory in my psychology class and mm-hmm. this has probably been one of the most like interesting units I've had. And I've sat there and me and Brooklyn talked about it last night because we went and watched the new movie Don't Worry Darling. And it was like, it's like a mind boggling thriller. And so uh-huh. you're just sitting there so confused and uh, like it messes with your head. So on our way home after we were just talking about it and then I was like, oh. You know, that'd be a good topic. Gotcha. Well, let's dive into it because, you know, memory kind of holds a lot of what we experience. And sometimes, you know, when traumatic things happen, it acts as almost kind of like a a dam to a certain degree, right? Yeah. And if if there's a breach in the dam, sometimes it cracks, begins to leak, and sometimes it can flood all out, which creates, you know, anxieties and all kinds of other things, post-traumatic stress disorder, stuff like that. So tell me a little bit about what's on your mind with memory. All right. So memory is defined in psychology as um, the factulated of encoding, um, storing, and retrieving information. Psychologists have found that memory includes three important categories, sensory, short-term, and Mm long-term. So um, our short-term memory is kind of like just that right off the bat, like, oh, like when mom reads off a code or, and it's, okay, these are the numbers, remember them. And even (laughs) something's longer, like, um, for example, like a math equation, like you'll probably know the formula for like the test. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, it's probably not as important for you. And that's been stored in your short-term memory. Whereas long-term memory is something that resides with you for a long time that you can always go back, like somebody's phone number or your address. Um, And so, We've we were talking psychology about kind of where um, like how much we remember it from our long term and how much we remember from our short term and like yeah. how that's changed over the years. We talked about how like back when like you guys were kids or growing up or whatever, um, memory was probably like one of the most important things. Like you guys didn't just have like a phone to look up someone's number. It was you had to have everyone's like phone number memorized from the phone book or whatever. So true. We didn't have smartphones. Yeah. You're right. And so we were talking about how. Um, nowadays with like our generation that's not like been such a key factor mm-hmm. anymore and so we kind of gave an example of like like kids like this generation's ACT scores and that kind of stuff and how um, like now out of every since the ACT has been created like this generation has the worst scores because the ACT was built and written as like a memory inducing test where you yes. just are remembering that whereas now it's no one memorizes things anymore. So when you come to this test and it's just like the basic print on paper of how you do and it's like how you answer a question, it's not been showing good scores for us. And so, wow, you know, I've never even thought about that, but you're absolutely right. It's kind of a funny thing. Like, and I've talked with a lot of youth about this too. When they start telling me about classes they're taking, like, like let's take for instance, mm-hmm. like math class, right? Yeah. And it's funny because they say, well, math class is kind of stupid because we have computers now that do everything. Touch of our finger. At the touch of your fingers. So instead of teaching you how to utilize the technology to 
your to your benefit. Yeah. To to even go further and more deep, um, we are still teaching that memory process. Yeah. So we were we were kind of we we're listening to this thing of how like we should now be taught how to remember things or like to re-encode that memory. Uh-huh. And so they gave an example of they listed 10 words on our board and we were given 10 seconds to memorize these 10 random words. And then we were given 30 seconds to write them down in the like same order and see how many we could remember. I got like maybe five and it was like the last five. Uh-huh. Um, and so we just kind of seed where we were at. And then they gave they had us close our eyes and we went through a story and they walked through the story and it was like the most random story. I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, the guy goes, okay, so you guys wouldn't know this, but I just made you memorize like the last like 10 presidents of the United States. I'm like, what? And so he walked us through the story and he's like, okay, I want you to like look at your thighs and you're imagining that your thighs are now Fords. There are these old Fords cars. They could be Ford Mustangs, Ford trucks, whatever. And he's like, can okay, I remember that? And you're looking at your knees and you see a little basketball court. And it was like the weirdest story. Right. But then it was like, when we were rewalking through it, he was like, what happened? He's like, okay, so what was on your thighs? And everyone's like, Ford. He's like, yeah, Ford, like the president. So we were right. like doing like things like that. So we're relearning. Yeah, we're relearning how to associate different things with our memory. Um, and so... That is so wild. You know what happens to me too, and, and I still do that, I panic when someone says, memorize this. Like when mom calls out a number, it's like, you remember the first four numbers. Yeah. And, and then you remember the next four. And then I'm like, wait, 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 what four? What's, what's, yeah, I, I, I panic. Yeah. And so like, I actually kind of distract myself from that memorization. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So anyways, getting into the more like mental side of memory, I wanted to talk more on like, where our traumatic memories reside and where our good memories reside and how we kind of cope with that and figure that out mm. and go from each thing, I guess. I, I love that. So let's let's start with kind of the, the most obvious, like traumatic memories. Yeah. Where, where are they stored? This is kind of an interesting thing. So do you know much about where traumatic yeah. memory is? Traumatic memories are formed after an experience that causes high levels of emotional, um, like stress hormones. Yep. And so that's normally then gets stored in our long-term memory with, and it then gets associated with something traumatic. Absolutely. And what happens is you've heard of someone say, it's in the forefront of my mind. Yeah. That's where it lives. And Mm -hmm. the reason why traumatic memory lives there too, is because you want to be on the constant guard and lookout for any kind of of similarities that may lead to another induced trauma. Does that make sense? So that being said, if um, if I have a traumatic like experience and I imprint on my mind that these are the situations, the smells, the sights, the sounds, the experiences I've had, I then can be on the lookout at all times. And so what happens is people kind of move on, but then mm-hmm. when something similar starts to unlock those gates, literally you have that post-traumatic stress yeah. like, response. It's the fight or flight thing. You're on that mechanism. That's why... Mm-hmm. EMDR, you know, eye movement desensitization reprocessing helps unlock that and move it from that frontal lobe fight or flight into long term where it's supposed to be yeah. to where you don't associate the feelings any longer to the memory. You mm-hmm. you put the memory where it goes. You'll always remember the bad thing, yeah. but it won't have the emotions attached yeah. to it. Because like anxiety and all that stuff gets like emotionally tinted in yeah, a way. And it so does. then it's hard to decipher, I guess. For sure. I, I, I like that. So, carry on. I think you. I think you're teaching some good principles here. Um. Yeah. 
Okay, so I also have written down like anxiety can have a major impact on our working memory. Our working memory is crucial for our problem solving abilities. So when our working memory suffers, we often develop issues in our like work or our daily life. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you think that would manifest like in a day to day thing, like in a in a day to day situation? What would that look like for you? Um, Does that make like sense? anxiety coming? Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, me specifically, when it comes to test taking, that's mm-hmm. when all of a sudden my working memory, gone. <laughs> it doesn't, does not remember anything. Um, and so we've like, when, with me going to like all these ACT preps, what they've been teaching us mm-hmm. is um, doing stuff for like long term. It has nothing to do with the ACT. Like for our reading sections, he's having us like just read all of these long text books. So that way when, like the ACT comes up, like we'll have a faster reading pace. And it's nothing to do with like that in the moment anxiety, because then it'll be like, oh, that was stored in my long-term memory because I know how to read long text and I know how to read stuff that looks similar, if that makes sense. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's the thing too, though, is when anxiety gets mixed up with memory, it can imprint those things that create more anxiety, fear and worry and concern. And I was just talking to mom about this. Whenever we have an anxiety experience, it's because we are we are you know worrying about the future yeah and so can you imagine creating memories on the future that haven't happened yet think about that that's kind of a crazy thing it's, right and people do it all the time we do it all the time we're we living can, in that future yep. stress that's we not catastrophize it worrying about what, how we're going to respond when really what we should be doing is living in the now yeah i love it you're spot on um working memory is often where we store um like what is that hold on well, working memory assists you in becoming like like fluent readers, right? Mm-hmm. Think about that. Like everything, think about how much memory you've created without even realizing it, zero to six years old. Yeah. I mean, everything that happened, it's so funny. I saw this poster once. It said, everything I've learned, I've learned in kindergarten. And it went through all these these oh, tasks that were mastered, like like learning to communicate, learning how to control your body, learning yeah. how to build relationships, learning a language. Does that make sense? All of it. That's all working memory. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, it's funny too, because so ADHD is the same thing. Um, like our memory, ha- like problems such as forgetfulness and like poor working memory are all linked to ADHD. And mm-hmm. that's why a lot of the times like people with ADHD have difficult, like have a difficulty encoding and processing information in their working memory, which is what leads to like that long-term like memory, which is why we forget things so often or why we stumble upon things or be like, oh, well, that happened. And then you completely forget something. Yeah. And, and you know, I've, I've written some of this stuff down. I remember like this specifically working memory, it boosts your problem solving ability because mm-hmm. that's called fluid intelligence. And it's defined as the ability to solve new problems uh, and, and you know, like new situations using things that you've learned and remember in the past. Yeah. So it's like, even though the, 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 the things are different, you still use that working memory that you had to become fluid intelligence to overcome, you know, like an obstacle or, you know, it's like, hey, this worked in this situation for me Mm -hmm. before. This is similar, but a little bit different. I'm going to apply those same skills. That's the thing of of like maybe going in for a job interview, one that you may not feel like you're qualified for, but you really want. Your Mm -hmm. working memory gets you there. That fluid intelligence kind of says, okay, new situation, new adaptation. How do I utilize those same skills and then build on them? Does that make sense? Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. You're right. Spot on. So think about this, right? Working memory is also like associated with um, learning disorders. Yeah. Because poor work because because poor working memory contributes to like some some like 
you know, let's have some breakdowns mm-hmm. in that. And this is what happened to me because my working memory as a kid, as I was like going to school, we went, to, I remember this so specifically in third grade, as I was in one school, we were starting multiplication. Yeah. Ones, twos, and threes. Yeah. And I'm like, sweet. By the time like we moved and to this next place, they were on, you know, like, like nines, tens, elevens, and twelves. So now you missed that middle section. I missed the whole middle section and I'm like, Wait a second. Yeah. So not only did, did that working memory contribute to like this big gap, it actually kind of sent me into this tailspin of like, I can't do this. And when I started getting nervous and, and like in my head, dyslexia started to kick in. Mm-hmm. You know me in numbers. We don't get along. <laughs> yeah, no. Right. And it's because of those and because of some of those situational issues I was I was in. It actually repressed even more. And so my working memory started to get very scarce. Mix in a little ADHD in there. Yeah. And then, you know, and all of a sudden we have problems. Lost. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is a funny thing. What is your, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah. What is your earliest childhood memory? One that you know is yours and not one that's been told to you. Because sometimes this happens where we tell stories. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, And they yeah. become your memories. Yeah. But they're not. Does that make sense? Funny enough, we were talking about this in English and how all of our like earliest memories are mainly when we all started learning a language. When we all started understanding English, that's right when we started connecting things. So that probably would have been around two or three. Mm-hmm. So for me, like my earliest memory is probably like holidays because those are like events that were like meaningful yeah. and like stood out more than like a day-to-day basis thing. So like, for instance, I remember Easter all the time. I don't know what it is, but Easter is one of those like very specific early memories that I always remember. That's so interesting. And and specifically, what about it? Like, what do you kind of remember? Like, because it's not like you can go through the whole day. Yeah. It's it's clips and phrases and pictures, right? Exactly. I can remember like the colors and the things like I got... Like, I can't remember all the toys I remember getting, but I remember, like, specific ones. Like, one year I got a pink Minnie Mouse, and, like, I had that for years. And that's one thing I do remember getting from Easter when Uh I was really little. And, like, that's what's funny. See, and I like that. So the funny thing about what you're talking about now is called peak experiences. And, And peak experiences are often described as these transcending moments that bring joy and escalate and, and, and excitement, right? Mm-hmm. And and the funny thing about this is it's a, it's a moment that stands out into your memory because of everything that went on, like the overpowering feeling of like just like like love and excitement and yeah. and big, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of funny. Um, you walk into our house right now. What does it smell like? A leaves fall candle. <laughs> a leaves fall candle, right? Yeah. Now it's funny. We do not allow leaves fall candles in in in, in August mm-hmm. in September. Absolutely not. But we do in October, October and November. November. So what would happen if you walked in, say, on Easter and you smelled leaves candles? What would happen? Oh, I'd, I'd low-key be upsetting. Like, on a level, I'd probably be like, oh, mm. Like, it's a whole thing of, like, there's times where, like, I'll be on TikTok and I see, like, something for Christmas or I don't know why they're all over my free page, but it's all these Christmas videos. And, like, it, like, kind of upsets me because I don't want to feel that nostalgia yet because, like, it needs to wait till that moment because then it'll be more exciting. Where if, like, I start feeling it months before, that's, like, I don't. that's why I don't understand how people can decorate, like, months in advance for like Christmas like some people are knowing like October November I'm like that has to be a December thing because then I'm filled with excitement that whole 
month of December where like if it was anything before that, it wouldn't be as an exciting moment. You guys wouldn't even let me put up the fall leaves at the end of August. You're like, no, not until September, in the middle of September. You're like, it's not even fall yet. But see, those peak experiences, smell is one of the most powerful senses that we have to to awake memory. Um, And do you know why that is? I mean, think about where your nose is related to your brain and they all have like the same stem. They all connect. Yeah. It is the funniest thing. So the sad thing about that, too, is that it also can be for bad. And so, you know, there are there are things ingrained in us Mm -hmm. that are that are so like um, habitual that like um, it's part of our nature that when you smell, say, say this might be disturbing, a a rotting corpse or death. It has its own smell. Mm-hmm. You've never smelt that. No. But if you walked into a place and you smelt you, you would know easily. exactly what it is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And these are things in our brains that um, that, that just come instinctively. Does that make yeah. sense? It's like this. The other the last year, a couple of years ago, we were running with the athletes, and it was the middle of of, of, of the summer, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm driving behind this athlete running. It's in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden he jumps uh, like <laughs> super high, and he lands and he's looking over there and he points and there was a snake. Oh. And I'm like, wow. And then he did it again a little while longer. He's like, I'm running in the middle of the road, not next to it. And when I was talking to him, I said, I said, how did you know to jump? And he's like, I don't know. I just did. Because again, naturally, instinctively, there's a memory in there that says snake danger. You see it with with, with, with primates, monkeys, they do this. All the time. So that can... That memory, where did that come from? Like, you know, why do people jump at spiders? Right? Yeah, yeah. Where does that Where does that memory come from? Because really, you know, it's like this, right? You're you're walking and you slip on ice. What do you do? You immediately try to catch. You memory. immediately try oh. to catch yourself, yeah. right? You do some wacky dance. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your brain just knows and remembers that that's what you do. See, and that's the funny thing. Like me and Brooklyn will go to like Bath and Body Works, for example, and like. Some people will be like, oh, like this smells like Christmas. Like when me and Brooklyn specifically go in there and we open a can, we're like, oh, this smells like a new apartment. We're like, oh, this smells like Oma and Opa's house at Thanksgiving time during this. Like it's something so specific every time because we have like that smell still attached to some specific long-term memory way back when. And so every time that smell comes up, we're like, like I will have her smell and be like, what is this from our childhood? And we're like, oh, that was that old makeup set we used to play with. And be like, yes. And you remember immediately, huh? Yeah. See, and that's what I think is neat about, about memory. So that's the thing. So now you could think of a memory that wasn't so great, right? One yeah. that was well, it was kind of sad or, or whatnot. And the thing about that is some people can have those memories and feel them and then put them back where they go. Can you imagine how sad and difficult it would be if that memory just lingered? Exactly. And just stayed. And the thing is, is like when something like this happens, it's like, it's not like when something traumatic or sad happens, like for instance, I lost a friend a couple months ago yeah. and it's not an easy memory that it's like, like you have those good memories that are still linked and you're like, oh, they're long-term and now they're coming back up because she's gone. But it's also going to have like the day it happened, all the feelings with it, everything's going to be now attached to a new memory. And that a memory for a long time just lives at the very front of your head yeah. forever, which is a hard thing to realize that like it's not going to go away and it's just something that will slowly hopefully move back to like a long-term thing where you'll always have it in the back of your head but it's not going to be like a like 
a distracting, distraction. Yeah, distracting yeah. you from every day. You bring up a really good point, Savannah, and I think a lot of listeners need to understand that that, that when we go through these traumatic experiences, these 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 traumatic experiences have to become memories. They cannot yeah. be. They cannot stay present. They can't. Does that make sense? Yeah, they can't take over your life. And, and we talk a lot on Addict to Athlete. You know this. Our our our, our catchphrase, right? Erase and replace. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about erase and replace, we're not talking about erase it forever. The person, yeah, right. Erasing the situation. What we're saying is erase the the feeling, erase the negative connotation to it, and replace it with something of greater value. Yeah. Because I remember you saying, "I don't want to go back to that park." Mm-hmm. Where it happened, right? Yeah. Where, where, where life was taken and you did it by yourself. You yeah. went. You went because you're like, this is a park that I still appreciate, love. that I still yeah. love. And it means something different mm-hmm. now. Does exactly. that make sense? Yeah. So how hard is that when you have to, you know, get up and go the next day knowing that like you're going to cross the same streets she crossed, that you're going to bump into the same people she's going yeah. she's bumped into. It's nothing, nothing about it ever is easy. And I think that's what the hard understanding is, is that it's not going to be easy and it shouldn't be. Because again, like you always tell me, like if it hurts, it's because you love. And so when you have those memories and they're reoccurring or it's, well, I remember this happened and this was here and this was that everywhere you go, if that like starts to become such a like memory that's like consistently coming up where anything you do is linked to that person or that thing. Like that's when you probably should then take a step back and be like, okay, how do we turn this into something more positive where we can like still have it as a memory, but it's not linked to something sad. Exactly. Because like I could every single day I could, yeah, be like, well, this is the park she died at or this is that. And I could go there every single day because I drive past it all the time and I could just link that awful memory to it. But then that would link an emotion, like a not a, like emotionally, yeah. not a good feeling to it. And so if I start to replace it and be like, oh, but like, look at how beautiful it is here. And like, this is like the last place she got to see and it was pretty and this and that. Then that starts helping like recreate that memory in like a better way, I guess. And like that terminology. So then it's not as negative of feeling when it, that memory comes up. Absolutely. And that's why they call them memories. And that's why the most important thing we can do is to remember. Yeah. Now, remembering doesn't mean we have to re-experience that feeling, but it's like to be there. It's kind of like, you know, that that situation was a deep wound yeah. to you. It hurt you, your heart and many other people's hearts. Yeah. But it will heal. And when it heals, there'll be a scar there, unfortunately. Yeah. And that scar doesn't hurt anymore until you notice it and remember, right? You remember, yeah. like, oh man, I remember how I got that, I remember that, that wound and that hurt. Yeah. And you can feel it and leave and live it for that moment and be like, oh, darn. That was awful. That was awful. Yeah. And then, but then you kind of go back to life and you don't look at the scar for a minute and you forget it's even there. Exactly. Until you look at it again. And that's kind of what it is. And it's okay to feel that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, you should. Like, that's that's how it should be. Absolutely. To to give it its credit, to give it its due, but not to stay there because that wound is healed. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you don't take care of it, right? Because if you neglect the wound and it gets infected and it gets hurt, oh my gosh, much worse. Yeah. So that's, I think this is an interesting topic. And I, you know, I know that we're kind of wrapping up here, but... I'm curious as to, you know, why this on your way back? Because is it because you want to remember to record every week or what? Yeah, this is how I can stay up today. <laughs> the first one was memory. I don't know. It was just, it was such a like, I'll have to check out that hot movie. topic. It's so cool. You guys should go see it. It's actually so cool. But it was just genuinely like a, wow, that can do a lot to your memory and your head and your thinking and all of that. And so... 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well done, Savannah. I'm glad that you're back in the saddle. And yeah, listeners, well. now they'll, they'll stop bugging me because here comes the new episode. Well, right? we'll keep them up. <laughs> awesome. Well, you want to thank everybody for listening and we'll yeah. wrap it up. Thank you guys for joining on today's episode. Hopefully we'll be back with a couple more soon. And like always, there are no ordinary moments. <laughs>